The Game Designers documentary is a behind-the-scenes look at designers and their process for making games. Make sure to listen to the end of our episode for more information and check out thegamedesignersmovie.com. Hey y'all, it's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today the guys will share five games they will never get rid of and review Tiny Towns. Then I join Marty for a review of Imperial Settlers Rolling Right. So if you really don't feel like listening, just go ahead and buy Imperial Settlers Rolling Right and play a game instead. Hello and welcome to another episode of RDTN. This is episode 173, Pinball Wizard. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. And Tony, we have a show for the people today. I don't know if it's going to be a good show. I don't know if it's going to be a bad show, but it, it will be a show. Didn't we just record? Oh my gosh, it feels like we just recorded. Okay, way to pull back the curtain there, buddy. Yeah, no, we just can't go go with the flow. You got to start showing what's going on behind I'm the not showing anything. Because I'm, I'm sh- getting ready to go to Origins. You're getting ready to go on vacation. And so we are recording an episode really early that's going to be coming out in uh, mid-June, but that's all right. Just real quick, Tony, I just want to ask before we move on. So this episode is called Pinball Wizard, and I wasn't sure. Which version of Pinball Wizard do you prefer, the original by The Who or the remake by Elton John? I guess I like Elton's. I enjoy Elton's better. I tend to agree. I think that's the one that I probably remember more and also really like his piano part in. I think it's it's a little more rocking. So I, I'm an Elton fan too, but it, it was a it was a great song. In fact, that's a great album that it's off of too. Yeah, I, so I'm sorry I was late tonight getting on the air with you, Marty, but I was late tonight because... I'm trying to learn how to use my charcoal grill. Okay. When was the last time you used a charcoal grill? Uh, it was at my dad's uh, a couple months ago. He has a charcoal grill. I cannot tell if it's the coals. I'm using lump charcoal. I've never used lump charcoal. You're not supposed to use lighter fluid. You're supposed to use these starter bricks. Yada, yada, yada. For some, uh, and on the bag, it clearly states that it will heat up faster than normal charcoal. I must okay. have gotten a defective bag. Because I'm like, why is this stuff not working? Why is this not cooking the meat better? Why is my asparagus still a little firm? You know, I like I like a good, not soft asparagus, but I like some with crunch. But this was beyond crunch. This was almost raw. Maybe our listeners can provide some input on this. Do I need a charcoal chimney? Well, I mean, they can't answer right now. I I guess they get. I guess they could go to our guild at uh, Board Game geek.com's uh, guild 1589 or maybe talk to us on Twitter at Dyson Names and let you know that. But you know what? We'll probably have to ask Rob Davio. Rob Davio knows everything about cooking. He's this the grill true. master right now. We could probably talk to him. Are you going to see him at Origins? Uh, yes, I will have seen him at Origins. Because this is coming out afterwards, isn't it? <laughs> that is absolutely right. Yeah, I saw Rob. Rob's doing great, man. Doing great. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Did you ask him my question? Boy, my, my timelines are really getting screwed up here. Let's see. You would have asked the question. After. No, because I didn't know what to ask him. Okay, but you will have, therefore you can, and therefore you can come back later and report it. You are absolutely right, sir. Okay. You know me. I don't do this timeline shift factors move in. I just go with the flow. I'm lucky to be awake. Well, here's the thing. You said you were late due to grilling, so I I call you up in order to get connected, and you're like sitting on the couch watching Jeopardy. This was the night the man lost. 
He didn't get the record. He lost. Now, he does have one record, right? That we're talking about, what was his name? Do you know his name? See, that's what's so amazing. You've been watching this guy every night and you don't know his name? It's James. Oh, my gosh. James right, Holshauser. So anyway. It's James Holshauser. Okay, so he's the one that's been on this huge winning streak and he had this way where he didn't really break the game, but he was doing something totally different and won. He does have the record for most money, though, right? No, that, see, that was just it. I think he wasn't going to get the, he was going to get the most money tonight oh. if he had won. I'm not 100%. So he didn't break the record for most money or obviously the the record for most wins. Most wins. Oh, well. Oh, well. But the man made $2.4 million yeah. on Jeopardy. Yeah, I, I don't feel bad for the guy. I don't either. He'll be back. He'll be playing in the championship, and that's all right. Hey, but you know what? Uh, that means he's got a lot of money in order to back this uh, really cool Kickstarter that's out. Have you seen this, Tony? You talking about the Sadler Brothers Kickstarter? I wasn't yet. <laughs> Well, which part of the notes are you on? My God, man, you're jumping around on me. You're as bad as me talking about how to teach a board game. Where are you? What are you talking about? What's, what Kickstarter? Yeah, let's talk about the Sadlers. Altered Quest. Altered yes, they, Quest. they currently have a Kickstarter going on, and uh, Adam and Brady are, are two of our favorite designers. We love having the go, our, those guys on. They've made a lot of games in the past that we've talked about and reviewed. They have a brand new game called Altered Quest uh, that's out on Kickstarter right now. And uh, what I like about this game is that it's a dungeon crawler, but there's uh, they have some really cool card mechanics. They're involved in it. They got Isaac Childress to design an expansion uh, scenario for it. So it looks great. They have a bunch of really nice minis and like little pieces of furniture to go on the board and everything. So I, I'm excited. for It's already funded. If you want to back it, it's already funded. So you're going to get it in your hand if you want a copy of it. It looks great. Yeah, they don't need our support. This bad boy's I think it broke 100 in a few days. I mean, good for them. I'm happy for the Saddlers. They've, they've had a couple successes, you know, and this, this just keeps building on that. I, do you know, hopefully you when you come back from Origins or since you've just been to Origins or wherever you are in time, <laughs> that you will be able to tell me how good it was that you got a demo in. I actually talked to them and they will have it there. So I did check it out. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you next episode what I thought of it. Well, excellent. I can, I'm looking forward to that discussion. The other Kickstarter that I was going to be talking about, and both of these are, are really good, is Tony, did you ever play the um, video game, real-time strategy game, Company of Heroes? Of course. You made me play it. You, me, and Ed McGill would get online and play that. That's when I had a computer that would run that. That one, you know, we love our RTSs. Those, we, we were on Starcraft and everything, but yes, Company of Heroes got into it and then something happened. Maybe I was late as usual and then we moved on to something else. Well, I, I'm excited about the Company of Heroes board game that's now coming out. So there's a company that has the license for the, the Company of Heroes and they're trying to make it as much like the video game as possible. In fact, there's two modes. There's a real-time mode and there's a turn-based mode. It looks exactly like the game. You're, you're controlling mm -hmm. units. You gather resources. When you capture points, it generates resources. Those resources can be used to create more units. As your units uh, does damage and takes out other people, they level up. Uh, remember that whole concept of you have guys on the field and the more stuff that they kill and stuff, they, they move up in rank. It has mm -hmm. that same sort of feel here. It has a really cool movement system where you have like command points where uh, each model has like so many points that they can spend to move and activate and everything. I'm looking at a picture right now and it looks absolutely gorgeous. The, the miniatures look just super top notch. And they had teased this game earlier this year. When, now that it's finally on a Kickstarter, uh, it looks good, man. 
Uh, have you seen pictures of it? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I watched the Man versus Meeple playthrough of it. Yeah. And and how they were putting the, you know, you put the units inside the building. And based on our recent discussion about pandemic rapid response, I know which mode you'll be playing. Oh, yeah. It'd definitely be, um, it would definitely be, it would be turn-based. In fact, I think they played turn-based too. I talked mm-hmm. to a David Waybright, and I think he said he preferred the turn base over the real time, which is fine. I mean, I, I probably would too. I mean, the the video game was real time, but that's fine. I'm interested in it. I mean, there's just so much coming out on Kickstarter. Again, it's just it's, it's never ending. I mean, we got Predator, right? Coming up in July. Yep. And then Raccoon Tycoon's expansion has closed, so yes. that's money that went there. And then, of course, you, we are talking about the, the Sadler Brothers and theirs, Altered Quest. And then you've got this coming out, Company of Heroes. And I'm sure that we've got other things that we don't even know about yet. Got to go over to the Tantrum House and watch there. Oh, this is coming in June. And man, I, I need to sell a kidney. <laughs> I know. And that's not even counting the fact that, you know, games just came out of Origins. And now we have a lot more games coming out at Gen Con. Oh. Too much to keep up with, dude. So you actually saw some games that you brought home from Origins, and then we're gonna get to play. Yes, yes, I cannot wait to show you those. Oh, Oh, I'm just, I'm just looking over where that there are, where there will be. I mean, they're right there, dude. That one right there is the one that's really got me excited. Can't wait. Well, I understand that, but let's do something that we've never done on this show before. Make really good content that people enjoy. That would be a high level stretch goal. Let's do something a little bit lower. Okay. okay. So that bar is way too high. Okay. That bar's up bring there, the dude. bar down a bit. Okay. So you've brought home all these games from Origins and you've got to find a place on your shelf. Oh Lord. Here we go. I know, dude. In doing so, and I need to apologize to everybody out there. I'm, I'm getting over this little tickle in my throat. So I'm sorry if my voice is a little off. I, I'll try to keep the <clears throat> out so Marty doesn't have to edit too much yeah, of you it. You mean what you just did? Thanks. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So we've never really ranked our top 10, top 11 games. We just, we've, we've stayed away from that. We have somehow in the almost seven years, we've never done a top, top of any of our games. Yep. You're right. In order to make room for what you just, that nice stack, I see air quotes behind you. We need to take a look at our top five games in our collection in our house. So here's the rules. It has to be on your shelf because you and I, we share the library. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Tony and I very, very much have this agreement. Uh, unless it's something we know that each of our families will be playing individually, you know, Tony will buy a game and then it's like my turn to buy a game. And then we could just trade back and forth or we end up playing together anyway. By doing that, we get to share our library. Kind of like what we used to do with um, cards where we'd go in and buy a booster. And do, I think that's what brought that in. Yep. How we how we would share the boosters. But anyway, so why don't we take a look at our top five board games that we would never get rid of, and they can only be the ones you see on your shelves. You up for that, man? I like it. Let's do it. Origins is over, and there were some really good games that came out of Origins, and you might want to check out some of those games possibly purchase those games and what better place to do so than at miniature market where you can go over there find that game at a good discount put it into your cart you can have it shipped to you right now if your shipping is over 100 you get free shipping if not put that order on hold and keep adding additional orders in the future till your complete order exceeds 100 then you can get free shipping 
So as you hear about games from us and, and other people over the next few weeks, make sure to go out to Miniature Market, order your games there, and you can find them at miniaturemarket.com. All right, Marty, here we go. I hope you went down, looked at the shelves I did. In, in the game room down there. Well, here's the thing is, is I end up holding them here and you don't. I don't see a problem with this. I know you don't see a problem with that because I have. Hey, you, well, you always come to me and you say, well, are any of these, we'll sell these at the flea market. Are there any that you'll want? And somehow they migrate to my house. Or like the other day when I was unpacking um, the bag from games, there was a game in there. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> I just kind of snuck it in there. Here you go. Corinth, which is an upcoming uh, roll and write that we'll mm -hmm. talk about on a previous on a on a previous future origins past origins show. Yep. We'll we'll talk about that. So let's get started. Now let's put in some special effects here. Woo, 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 woo. Number five. <laughs> I'm sure you got something that you can... Matter of fact, no. In fact, what you just did was perfect. That's right, and it's going to stay. So, number five. Here is the thing, Tony, about this list. Here's the thing. Most of this list I'm keeping due to sentimental value, okay? It's either sentimental value or I can't get it anymore. That's already a tease right now. So, coming in at number five is one that I can still buy, but it has a great, I have a lot of great memories with uh, you and our buddies Ed and Cecil when we first got into Euro games. And this is the game that I, when I found out, I went, holy crap. You mean tell me that they can actually design games where there isn't a lot of downtime between players? And that is the classic Puerto Rico. I know that game is probably like overplayed by a lot of people. I know a lot of people say that game is broken due to certain strategies and stuff. I don't care because when we first started playing that game, every time we got those two guys, our, our friends, Ed and Cecil, which we hardly ever get to see anymore, they always wanted to play that. So it's always got a special uh, memory for me. Plus, man, I just love that mechanic of somebody, you pick, everybody go around and pick the roles that they're going to do. Uh, there's very little downtime. I just still think it's a solid game. My only regret is, dad, come on, I didn't get that anniversary version. So number five, Puerto Rico. My number five was sent to me by someone, a friend of the show, because he heard me constantly talk about it on the show, and I didn't have it, and I wanted it, and I've been trying to get it, trying to uh, snag a copy, and I'm hoping that someday Restoration Games will bring it back out. Now, it's not, it's not the best game in the world, but whenever I bring it out on the table, we have the biggest time with it. We usually end up playing it once or twice, and people never want me to play it again until I show them the box and they go, Oh my God. Yeah. That was such a great game. And for me, number five that I will never get rid of in my collection is thunder road. Oh dude. Another sentiment. Well, that's, that has two things, right? Sentimental and you can't get it anymore. You, you can't get any more until restoration games, Rob, Justin, make this happen. Okay. There's <laughs> just something about the dice chucking moving. It's, a, it's a simple game but the trash talk that goes on the cheering for one another the the just the whole ribbing behind it is so much it's fun good. it's good and so then, i enjoy it and then it's really cool that somebody listens to the show send it to you so that's that's really special too all right <laughs> number four for me hold on <laughs> number <laughs> Number four, Marty. So, so we need stretch goals for pod pledge for adding sound effects. Is that, is that what we say we need to do? Oh, maybe okay. maybe we we'll go. get a sound mixer or something. Here we go. Know. Number four is a game that I'll never get rid of 
that I have actually never played. Ooh. And that is the War of the Ring Special Anniversary Edition. And you kill me with this. You are killing me. I know, that. dude. So, uh, so when the War of the Ring is the big Lord of the Rings game, and it's one of those that just people absolutely love. And people have always told me, Marty, you'll like it. You'll like it. Everything I've read about it says I really like it. And they came out the really special edition years ago with this big wooden box and everything. I went, oh man, that looks so good. So a few years ago, they re-released another anniversary edition. It wasn't a big wooden box, but still, it's painted minis and super nice. I rarely rarely ever buy something nice for myself like that but i like mm-hmm. i've got to get this because i i regret not getting the other one so i bought it so it is a gorgeous game that i have never sat and played and our buddy nate bivens has said guys i'll come and teach you how to play so i i, I just need to take him up on that and, and have him teach both of us and we'll sit down and play that game but it's one of those things now it's almost like an heirloom where i'll pass it down to other people but that's war of the ring anniversary edition which I will play at some point in time. Well, maybe in a couple of years or whatever, when maybe when Nate can get away from that beautiful little baby for an extended weekend, maybe when we have the RDD, RDTN con, which was mentioned in our pod pledge channel. Yep. You know, maybe we can learn there. Maybe go up and we can just commit the time to it. Cause I, I, that's, that game's, I could see where I'll be walking a little bit, but I'll be enjoying every moment of it. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. For my number four, it's in both of our collections. And it's your number five, Puerto Rico. Nice. I will never get rid of that game. I still will put that game on the table when I have four or five. Uh, I just enjoy the strategy of it. The good news is you talked about it being broke and people say there's some problems with it. We don't play it enough to know how it's broke. Right. So it's never broke to me. Here's the thing. I, broke is a strong word and that triggers some people. I've just heard there's some strategy that's really, really good. And, and it tends to work really well. So, you know, I won't say it's broke. I just know that there tends to be some strategies that tend to work well over others. That's all. And I, like you said, Tony, I don't know what they are. And I never wanted to find out what they were. Right. And for, for the people I'm playing this with, they're usually first-time gamers or second time they've sat down and play a game with me. And I'll put that on the table and say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's expand our horizons a little bit. Let's, let's move it forward. Number, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. Go, go for it. Number three. Number three is special to me because it involves my family. The first year or two that we went to Gen Con, that's when Wizards was still there and had a big booth in the middle and was really promoting Dungeons and Dragons. And one of the things they did there is you could play like a real role playing game where each of you took on a role and you had a lanyard that had your character stats on it. And you get onto this map and you roll this huge D20. And like attacked a monster. There'd be guy like a like a guy dressed up as a zombie or something, and he tried to attack him and everything. It was it was just a fun experience. And out of that, we bought Castle Ravenloft, which was one of the first dungeon crawler games that I bought. It is based in the DD universe, and we came home and played the mess out of that game. That's one of those games that dungeon crawlers have gotten a lot better over the years, and I'll probably play it over this one, but it still will always hold a special place in my heart for those memories with the kids and the family and sitting around and playing Castle Ravenloft. My number three uh, is one of the anniversary editions that I have in my collection and the game that is usually requested most when my in-laws are in town or Donna and first-time gamers come over that I know I will never get rid of, but I still enjoy it. I know it's a f- old game, 
but it is a classic, and that is my 10th anniversary Ticket to Ride. Nice. Uh, I will never get rid of that. I mean, it's the only time I can use it is with the USA map. I mean, I have all the other maps and expansions, but for me, I will never get rid of that version of it just because it's the table presence. People go, wow, that's a board game. And you're like, yeah, that's a board game. They think it's so complex, but in no time, they are into the game and they're able to do it. Great introductory game. And when you have that table presence, you know, it's one of those that, boom, it's on the table. You suck them in just with that. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two is a special memory. See, I'll, now, now we're into the sentimental stuff now. That's why I'll never get rid of it. It's a special memory that I actually have with you, Tony. Uh-oh. At BGG Con years ago. When you and I sat down with Ignacy from Portal Games and he pulled out a copy, a re-release, a copy of Stronghold. Mm. He, he took the paper off and we sat in a room and he taught us how to play Stronghold and made fun of us because he thought we were idiots, etc. He he wrote a little message on the inside of the box for us. Ever since then, Stronghold has held a very special place for me. Number one, the game is amazing. To me, that's still one of my favorite two-player asymmetric games of all time, which is why we keep raving about, you know, the uh, the expansion is going to be coming, Stronghold Undead. But that copy of Stronghold that we have, that we got at BGGCon, one of the first ones where he unwrapped it himself and taught us the game, uh, it will never, ever leave my shelf. And we need to play it more. Yep. 100% agree. Because that is a flippin' fun game. You're right. It's such a good two-player strategy game. Yes. I'm glad you're keeping that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It ain't going anywhere. And by, and it's one of those things, this is one that you and I share. It's one of those things. Yeah. I want to borrow it. Here it is, man. Cause it was written out to both of us. It was given to both of us as a gift. So it'll be, always be special. I have my copy. I do have a copy. It's not signed. It's not signed. Maybe, maybe Ignacy, if he listens to the show, he can send me a letter and I can paste it in. The- <laughs> <laughs> there I'll paste it in the internal part and I can show it to people. You know, he didn't sign that one. That's fine. All right. Now these are the tough because we only have two left, and you yeah. went with and you went with Stronghold. So for me, everybody knows this is one of my all-time favorite games. A game that led me to my worker placement, love, and that's going to be Pillars of the Earth. Yeah. So so let me ask you this: as, as I tease mine, do you, can you guess what they are? Because I can guess what yours are as you do it. Uh, you threw me off with Stronghold. Okay, wasn't expecting that one. All right. Yeah, was not expecting that one. But yeah, Pillars of the Earth. Once again, and I look back at my list and I'm thinking about all these are those introductory games. So I'm wondering, do I love them so much because I'm always bringing them out because I'm always having to teach new people. But then again, I look at Pillars of the Earth and especially with the expansion, just the gorgeous art on that game. Which you had to search for, dude. Yeah, I know. And I I found it in some board game store down in Columbia and he didn't know about it and I took it off the shelf. But the, the art is incredible. The selection of the of having to put the, do I use the pawn when I pull it out? If it's my color, do I put it on the track to use later to reduce the cost? You know, and that game, every time we play it or anytime I play it, the final scores are so tight, so tight. That's what I think holds a special memory for me is that I've never had a bad play with that game. So for me, number two is Pillars of the Earth. And I'll, I'll tell you, Tony, that game for me, still holds up really, really well. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a lot, there's a lot of worker placement games, yes, but there's some uniqueness about that with pulling out the pawns and everything that just still really holds up. So, Marty, before we go to number one, I know this was a hard list, so what we're going to do is 
Do you want to mention any runner-ups before yes. we get? I actually okay. have it on my list. Before you did your uh, special effect, I was going to say I have an honorary mention. Okay, go for your honorary mention. This is my honorary mention because it's not a board game on my shelf, but it's something that I will never get rid of, and that is my binder that has the complete set of the Lord of the Rings CCG Fellowship of the Ring, which was the very first set ever released. That is what got Tony and I into board gaming. It was in the early 2000s, what, around 2001? Mm-hmm. I said, uh, Tony, there's this board game, uh, this card game my brother-in-law told me about, and it's one of those things, you got to buy all these packs in order to make decks and stuff. And we dove into it, and we dove into it hard. We were buying boosters and sharing boosters, and I was so excited opening boosters. I'll never forget where I was at a store, a game store in Matthews when I opened up a pack and got a foil R1, which was at the time, that was the Holy Grail card. It was worth like 50 bucks, and I was just shaking. Hold on, because I couldn't believe I got it. I had a complete set in the binders. I've given some of the other cards away, got rid of them, but I will never give away the original binder that has that complete set in it. Ooh, look at you. I gave mine away. Thanks a lot. So I have all this sentimental moments here, and it's like... Garbage! I'm getting rid of that crap. Well, we've never played it, and then I did the big purge on the move. But I appreciate you holding on to it, so you can always build us another deck. I've actually got some uh, starter decks that I've never disassembled in case if we ever want to just pull out again to see how it holds up. Well, I'm, I'm sure I can find them on eBay if we ever wanted to do that again. That's true. So my honorary mention is actually a game that our first origins together. Oh, oh! now, wait a minute. Now, I'm, now I don't know what that is. We were at Origins, and I'll admit, it was my, my first gaming convention. You told me I would need to do that. You and I went up there. We were at all these events and things, and it just wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't syncing with me. But we went to the game room, and we're sitting there. We're kind of new to all this. Not, I felt like the geeky kids in the room when nobody would come <laughs> talk to us. We sat down, and these guys came up and said, have you played seven wonders yet oh i'm like no i've never played seven wonders and you know it just come out and it was the rage and we played seven wonders and that's when i was like you know on my shelf seven wonders will always have that value to me i will never get rid of it just because it showed me what board gaming can be the card drafting, the strategy. So for me, that was my runner-up for the game. Do you remember that? Oh, I, I, now that you say it, I do. But I totally forgot that. We sat in the games room. Uh, the mm-hmm. games library had to buy a pass or a badge or whatever to get in, and they came and taught us that. Yep. So. Number one. Number one is also has sentimental value, and this is a game from many years ago when I talked about those friends of ours that we used to play with, Ed and Cecil. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the mm. things that we used to do back in the 90s with all those guys is we would get online and we would all get together and play StarCraft, the video game. And when we first got into board games, I went, my goodness, guys, there's a board game version of StarCraft. And I went out and bought this thing. And this beast of a box comes in with this huge, thick rule book. And I'm like, holy crap, what have I gotten into? Because the... The most complex game I'd ever played at that point was like Settlers or Ticket to Ride or maybe Pandemic. So when I pulled this beast out, we finally worked through the rules and we played it and we loved it. That was before I really knew who FFG was or Corey Kanitska was, who I ended up loving his designs from from then on. But I still have that box 
Some of the models are broken off of their plastic pedestals or whatever. They need to be glued back on. I keep saying we got to play it again because it very much feels like uh, Forbidden Stars. But that's a collector's item now because you can't find it anymore. It's a huge box. It takes up a lot of space, but it's never leaving me. Did you ever open Brood War when I was when I found you the copy of Brood War? I did not. I didn't want to until we were like ready to sit down and play it. So I, it's pristine. And still pristine, still in shrink? Yep. And I couldn't believe that when you found it, we had a, a store that was closing and Tony was in there looking around and actually saw it on the top shelf. And this is what, Tony, this is like three years ago. It wasn't that mm-hmm. long ago. I couldn't believe it was still out there and it was like 50% off, which was crazy. Well, he had it in his back storeroom and he hadn't brought it out yet. Because I'm like, that's Brood War. And I texted you and said, why didn't you get this? And you're like, you didn't have it. I'm like, okay, well, now we got it. And he got it. Yeah. In fact, I've got a picture of it when you gave it to me. That's right. So my number one. Now, I know everybody's thinking, oh, it's going to be Pandemic. You talked about Pandemic forever. You and your wife and your neighbors constantly played Pandemic. Yeah, it's a great game. But that one, it'll stay on the shelf, but it is not the one that I will fight over tooth and nail. I am always going to have on my shelf, just because I enjoy playing it so much, and I wish we would play it more, Lorenzo El Magnifico! Wow, that's your number one. I would have never guessed Lorenzo being your number one. That is one of those games that I really enjoy. Really, really, really enjoy. And even if we don't play it, I will always have it there just because it has that dice mechanic. You know, the introduction of the of the workers that would be in the dice rolls, which may which is why I love Coimbra so much. But Lorenzo, that's that is the number one game I would not get rid of just because I it's new. It's part of the, you know, the new collection. It's one of the newer games. And I think it's one of those games that for me, I will teach anytime I will play anytime aside from some of the older games that I have in my collection. Wow, man, those are great lists. We, I mean, you had a little bit of, I didn't have a lot of new. I guess my newest one was Castle Ravenloft, maybe. Wow, and that's still pretty old. Well, we're just old, okay? And you're, But you had a really new one, only like two years old. But does that go to show that the classics hold up over time? Or is it just that we're a bunch of sentimental old farts? For me, it's sentimental old farts. Like I said, you know, I can still buy some of these. Some of these I can't. The ones I can't buy, they have more sentimental value because I know I can never replace them, so I don't want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So I know strong. Well, the second edition Stronghold's a newer game. Right. Oh, I forgot to tell another thing about Stronghold. Stronghold was one of the first games I played with our game club when it first started about eight years ago. I remember that. That was the f- one we were playing for you. Four, four player. Four player. Two player is much better. But I remember they taught me the four player. I thought, man, this is really kind of cool. So when I heard the remake was coming out, that really got me excited because I had already played the first edition. Well, Tony, to send us out, why don't you give us like a special effect to, to play us into the next segment here? Five minute initiative begins in three. Two, one. Vanessa and I are going to give our thoughts on Imperial Settlers Roll and Write from Portal Games, coming from a person, me, who's not a big Roll and Write fan, and from Vanessa, who hasn't played any Roll and Writes. Have not played any Roll and Write, but I do love dice. Yes, I love do. rolling dice, and now I like writing what they tell me to do. Do you like rolling dice <laughs> and maybe taking the names? 
<laughs> ah, but you did. Boom. But there was a name involved in this because this in this game you're building a town and you have to name your town. And I named my sweet town Christmas Town. <laughs> I named it Christmas Town because I'm obsessed with Christmas. And you started saying the rules to the game, and a word came to mind from one of our favorite Christmas movies, and that was Holiday Hoobie Whatty. So, so the rules were kind of confusing at first, weren't uh, they? Uh, or maybe the way you were explaining it, it was I probably don't know. all the way I explained. <laughs> but I think I can explain it better now because this is a game where obviously you're going to roll dice, you're going to take those results and apply it to one of two sheets you have in front of you. One is for building buildings, and another one is for uh, generating victory points with resources that you produce the four dice are like this there's three dice that are resource dice and when you roll them they can either be food wood stone or gold and gold could be any of those resources and if you played imperial settlers it's the same resources there the other is an action die which tells you how many actions you can spend on your turn an action is and this is the part i was having trouble explaining an action is simply crossing off a space on one of the sheets if there's a blank space you get to cross it off just by spending an action if the box has a little resource in it you have to spend an action to cross it off and have that resource available from what you rolled in order to cross off that box and you're crossing off boxes in order to build buildings which help you generate resources <laughs> and use those resources to help generate victory points and saying that that's what we played with your sister last night so shout out to tori uh -huh. <laughs> I kept wanting to put something in the blank box. So I think like for one round or two rounds, I was like, what do I put in the blank box? Oh, you were you were <laughs> wanting to spend a resource to mark yes. off a blank box. I yes. didn't explain that well, yeah. that you only have to write resources if there's a resource in the box. And each of the buildings requires three actions to build it. It's just that some of those actions have a resource in order to do so. And they all do different things. There's a building that automatically gives you food, a building that can give you an extra worker if two of the resources on the dice match. If none of them match, there's another building that'll give you extra gold. So you're doing all these little things that when you roll the dice, it's like, ah, because I've done this, now I generate this. And you go to the other page where there are four rows of each of each different type of resource. And the farther you progress to the right on that row, the more victory points you're going to produce for either stone, wood, food, or one at the very bottom, uh, which is for using for building bridges to get your to your harvest fields, which can also be used to generate resources. Yep. And I'm one of those people I like to just go ahead and start playing and let's do one round and see how it goes. And I can say after two rounds, I was I was good to go. So it went from holiday hoobie whatty to I got this because she kicked everybody's butt in the first game. It, it came to I got this. Would you people hurry up? <laughs> and it's a quick, speaking of that, it's a very quick game. Only 10 rounds. Yes. We played with four players last night. Mm -hmm. And then we did the basic last night with your dad and your sister. And then we did advanced today, just me and you. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say, we didn't listen to music while we were playing this. No. What do we typically do during portal games? We eat dessert. <laughs> And we had homemade strawberry cake and chocolate eclair. That's right. So one of those one night, one of those the next night. So instead That's of right. music, it's about eating desserts. And Ignacy would appreciate that as a cookie connoisseur that he is. That's right. That's right. So You mentioned the advanced rules. Let me explain what that is. Because now this part may be confusing, but this is what takes it from to a whole new level. So on these rows that you fill in for generating victory points of each of the resources, as you fill them in, each of the buildings that you can build on the other sheet have a little tetra shape in the upper right. It may be three down or three across and, and one 
down. And if you can mark off that shape on your victory point page, what that does is that makes that building better. So maybe instead of generating one extra action, it generates two extra actions. So then that makes you think, okay, well, if I fill out my victory points this way, I can make this building better, which will help me generate my engine to build more resources, to give me more actions in the end to generate more victory points. So it's a whole new level. And we played it that way tonight. And it did take it to a new level. This is a thinky roll and write. It is. So true to how we always say, the first time we played this game, I won. I always win the first time we play a game because no one knows a strategy and it's just having fun. And somehow I tend to win. But once the strategy comes in, <laughs> you won today with your thinking and Tetris playing ability. <laughs> <laughs> Tetris stacking my head. I had the little Russian music going on behind my head from the, from the uh, Tetris music. No, but I'm saying that to say this is a game that I think people who like thinking games would like this as a filler. Mm -hmm. And then people who aren't quite <laughs> so thinky, it is still one that brings it up to to a different level for them. Right. And as a person who didn't like rolling rights, because to me, a lot of the rolling rights I've played has been like a push your luck. It's a luck based thing. I would I'll just go ahead and get this over with. There's only been one of the rolling right that I really liked, and that was Castles of Burgundy. And it was kind of a thinky game. And I also think, think it translated well from the board game to the to the dice game. This is the same thing, which is why I like it. And as you has never played a lot of rolling rights. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I can't believe I hadn't introduced rolling rights to you before because you love dice so much. I, I don't know why you withhold these games to me. You always pull out one that takes four hours and to kill each other. And and I don't like to kill other players. <laughs> so I, this is perfect, but but you hoard them away somewhere. I don't know. So yeah, the two things you like in games, quick and dice, and that's exactly what a rolling right is. Exactly. And now, I, I also do like Arkham, you know, even if it takes four hours. That's true. But yeah. that, that's, that's a good one to say, you know, for uh, Halloween. So I will say right off the bat, we did need an eraser. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. Components that we needed in the box was, typically yeah. it was a magnifying glass for Imperial Settlers. <laughs> for this, it's an eraser. <laughs> I did use my reading glasses. <laughs> and now, oh, after we played the basic, I wanted some scratch paper. Mm -hmm. And I said, I needed scratch paper to write off all the extra resources and actions. And you said that the square on the paper that you use to mark off each round can actually be used for that. Sure. So I used that today and it did work. Yeah. Perfect. So this is Imperial Settlers Roll and Write from Portal Games. I'm a fan, and I think I've now made Vanessa a fan of some rolling rights. Oh, I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan. So thank you for listening to Marty and Vanessa's seven minute initiative. <laughs> Five minute initiative is complete. PortalGamesUS.com. That's right. Go there. Click on the games that you know that you need to add to your collection. Now, keep in mind, some of these games may be in your top five at some point. Once they get on your shelf, you may never want to get rid of Imperial Settlers or 51st State or Nurishima Hex. All those are some incredible games. Now, if Marty and I were to have expanded to the top 10, you know some of those would have definitely been in there. I know they would have been for me. I don't know about Marty. He's ignoring me right now. But go over to PortalGamesUS.com. Be sure to check out any announcements they have. Check out Ignacy's blog. Vlog, excuse me. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter. 
PortalGamesUS.com and start saving your monies because Preda Porter is coming out soon. Well, the Kickstarter is going to start soon, but just save your money, people. You know you want it. PortalGamesUS.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Tony, when you were a kid, did you have to take the California Achievement Test, the CATS? I did, to see how well I was achieving in California, even though I lived in North Carolina. Yeah, and you remember what they had those spe- the special relations test, and, and you would get graded on that? Tony, I always did really well on that. So when Alderac sent us a copy of Tiny Towns to play, which is very much a spatial relation type game, I thought, I am going to rock this game! I was wrong! Those tests lied to me. Okay. And when I took the job placement to say where you need to be in the world, I failed miserably at the spatial. When you fold this piece of paper up, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like a folded piece of paper. I got no clue what it's going to look like. So for me, when you said we're going to play Tiny Towns and everybody's raving about this game, I'm like, I am going to fail miserably at this game. (laughs) But aside from that, pros and cons, pro for me was... I found it very challenging, but not painful. I enjoyed playing this game. I enjoyed having to try to figure out my placement of building my town by placing the resources. Now, Marty, to get those resources, this was one of the cons for me. What? I wanted to call so many times, people, pick up that one. That began to frustrate me because people were calling the wrong resource. Okay, let's talk about how this works. You have a four-by-four grid in front of you, and whoever is the active player's turn is going to call out a resource, wood, glass, stone, brick, etc. Everybody must take one of those and put it on an empty square on their board. Your goal is to try to make the shapes required on the random buildings that were put out in front of you at the beginning of the game. Some of them are L-shaped, some of them are squares and require different color of resources. So when somebody calls a resource, you got to put it out there and hope that you can get the right resources around it to replace all those resources with one building. And people were never calling the right resource. It was frustrating to me. But on top of that, once you build those buildings, you get victory points, and victory points are how you win this game. So you've got to keep that in mind. For instance, if you're having cottages, you need to be able to feed those people to get victory points. All that is defined by those special buildings. All of that is coming together with a spatial relation, complex, how do I score the most points, victory point game. It actually burned my brain a little bit last night. It burned my brain more than it should. The first time I ever played this game, I was like, I was trying to be like, okay, well, I'm going to start a building over here, then a building over here, then a building over here. And then, like you said, Tony, people were calling out the wrong stuff. So I was having to put stuff on my board that did me absolutely no good. And it totally, totally screwed me up. So we played again, and I finally understood, look, you really need to focus on one or two buildings. And every game, since it's random buildings, each building does something a little bit different. Sometimes you get points for putting this type of building beside this type of building. Or you need to have, uh, you know, these buildings, if they're in the corners, you get victory points. So it's a different game every time you play, which I really like. So it has very, very good variability. And you almost got to kind of decide, Tony, at the beginning of the game, all right, I ain't going to be able to build every building, but if I take 
these three right here and focus on those, maybe I can generate the, the most points by, by, by just focusing on those. Right. And I think one of the things I could not get straight in my mind on this game was how to manipulate the cubes that are out there so that they could quickly change to another building. I, I stuck to a set plan. This is the building I'm building. But if I had yep. looked and seen how they could be manipulated or changed a certain way, I might be able to get another one. So many times did I place a resource that I back myself in a corner with this. Now, don't get me wrong, guys and gals out there. This game is a very hard game to master. It will challenge you. It will frustrate you. But it was fun. But special relations are not a thing for me. Yeah, here's the thing is, everybody has been going crazy about this game. So that's why I was so excited to finally get it and try it. And I see why it's a fun game. It is super simple. Call, somebody calls a resource, you got to put it on your board and hope to match the shape of a building out there and you put the building into play. And basically, the, everybody keeps going until there's no other spaces on their build, board to put any spaces, then they're out of the game. And then the others continue until their board is full. At that point, you remove any resources on the board where you don't have a building. Those are worth minus one points each and then add up the other victory points and the person with the most points wins. Tony... Is this a game that your family will like? Donna will love this. She loves Tetris and things like that. But I will say one thing, a mark of a good game for me and my when I look at these things is a game that I, even though if it hurts and I'm not good at it, I always look at it and say, I can do better. I will play it again so I can prove to myself that I can do better. That to me is a game, regardless of how I initially feel about it or think about it, that's a good game. Well, sure. I mean, because the more we played, the more comfortable I got. I went for like first game of zero. Next game, I finally got 18 points. And it was like, it was starting to click at that point. I'm sorry, zero? Did you say, how did you score zero? Yeah, we're over five minutes. Just go ahead and end this thing. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That is Tiny Towns from AG. Five minute initiative is complete. So as mentioned right as we start off the episode, this episode is brought to you by the Game Designers documentary. Now, this is a documentary that it was ran on Kickstarter earlier, and it's funded and everything. It's supposed to come out later this fall. This is now currently on Indiegogo, so if you missed it, you got a chance to go and be able to get a copy. You can get a digital copy. You can get a physical copy. But this is one I, a project I was very interested in because... It's done by a producer, Eric Ray, and also in conjunction with Scott Alden from uh, BGG. So these guys got together and said, you know, we're going to make a full-length documentary. We'll go around and talk to different designers. You know, how do they design games? What challenges do they have? You know, look at the history. And Tony, there's some big name people that they talk to uh, in this documentary. Okay, so in this documentary, I don't know if you made it clear. This is a documentary, right? No, this is a documentary. Okay, uh, I wanted to be clear on that. So if I was an up-and-coming board game designer, mm -hmm. this would be something that I could take notes from. It's got, You know what this reminds me of, Marty? Because I backed Ignacy's um, Board Games That Tell Stories books, and he talks to the various designers. He gets stories from them. This, would say, this is right up your alley because there's no reading to it. <laughs> you sit there and watch. But here's the thing is that I'm sure it would be good for budding game designers, but I just think it's just interesting in general for anybody that's ever played board games because you may not realize, you know, the people behind the games are these designers and the stuff that they have to go through. I mean, and look at some of the names on the list you have. Antoine Bowser, Kelly North Adams, Matt Leacock, Eric Lang, 
Corey Kanitska, which we mentioned earlier, remember? He's the one that did StarCraft, and he also did um, Outer Rim, which we just recently talked about. Reiner Kanitska, uh, Martin Wallace, who, Tony, we've had on the show from last year for, with Brass. And, and you remember how interesting it was when we had Eric and Martin on, and they told us about the whole design process? It's just a very... I don't know. Those guys think on a different level to me. And so I can't wait to see how this really digs into that and, and to see how their brain works. But when I f- think about documentaries, you sit there and I know it sounds funny, but they come to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what he looked like. That's what he sounds like. That's how he reacts. He's not this name on a piece of cardboard. He's a person. And you get to interact. Well, not, you don't get to interact with them, but you, well, you might, you may yell at the TV, Eric, that was a dumb design. Why did you do that? <laughs> I would never say that to Eric or our good buddy, Rob Davia, who's also on this. No, I wouldn't either. But I'm just saying you could, you could interact with your TV if you wanted to, but it's, it's history, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you're watching. You're watching the history. So here we are on this big upswing of board games. We've got all this momentum behind it and these great names in the design who brought us to this point and they can share their secrets, their passions. And you might pick up on a little jewel of wisdom here and there in this documentary. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in this or even have the inkling of preserving history, you need to go back this project. That's right. Yeah, if you want to find out more, you can go to the website, thegamedesignersmovie.com. That's thegamedesignersmovie.com. And actually, that link will take you straight over to the Indiegogo page where you can back it. The digital downloads only 23 bucks. It's supposed to come out in October. And Tony, the producer, Eric, has told us that uh, when he makes the next cut of the movie, he's going to give us an early look at the movie so that we can see it and even uh, be able to talk more about it. So you and I are going to get an early cut, not the final cut, but at least we can tease a little bit more about what's going on in this. What is it again? It's a documentary, right? I think it's a documentary. It's a documentary. Uh, So that we can share some some more about it. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that soon, and we'll come back and uh, tell you more about it. And, of course, there will be a link on our homepage, our episode page, whatever Marty wants to call it. It'll be there because I've got it taken a note and I'll make sure the link is there so that you can go over to Indiegogo and take a look at this. So, you know, the the documentary that we just talked about, which, which is a documentary. Are you sure? It was a documentary. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is a pretty interesting Kickstarter. You don't see a lot of Kickstarters in board games having to deal with movies. Well, let me tell you about this, Tony, about a Kickstarter that's going to be uh, starting on uh, June 27th. And this is called Outburst Game Table. So here it is. So uh, how can I explain this? I'm looking at it right now. Here, here. <laughs> Let me show you, Tony. He's showing so, me something, people. So uh, I got this in the mail. And it's basically laser cut out of oh, yeah. wood. That, that was hilarious. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so people are like, what are you talking about? So the idea is that when you put this together, you have a little game table. So basically, it's like broken token. You you take it apart out of a piece of wood and you assemble it t- together, and you make little game tables. And one is an oval shaped table, and one is a le- regular uh, rectangle table with like etched hexes in it. It's got uh, katana it on it. Like a game. T- yeah, it has has katana on it, and it's like, what's the purpose of this? And they said, well. Have you ever been really frustrated when you're sitting in a game and you want to flip the table and you know you really can? I went, yes. I said, well, here you go. Here's a little table that's about three inches long and about one and a half inch high that you can flip. <laughs> and, and I 
just don't know. It's just funny. I have it sitting on my counter, and I walk by and just flip it all the time. It's so silly, but I love it. It's just a little table that while you're playing a game, if you get frustrated, like our stress balls that we're selling, mm-hmm. well, here's a little table that you can actually physically flip. Now, my question is, have you been able to flip it so it lands on its legs again? Oh, like we did at Tantrum yeah. Con? Which, by the way, their tickets are on sale for that for next year for those who um, are interested. I'm trying. He's sitting here flipping this table, people. Let me give you a play-by-play. He's yet to succeed. He's yet to succeed. He's yet to succeed. Okay, fine. No, I'm going to stop. All right. So here's the cool thing is they say, well, well you know, if you don't want to flip the table, you could also use it as a uh, coaster. So um, oh, cool. it's been treated so you can put a coaster. I don't know if you want to put a drink on a raised surface like that on a table. I know that I don't want to because I'm known for spilling drinks. But you could. They said if you want to, you could also put a little bag of Cheetos there if you don't want to get, you know, food on stuff. They say you could use it as a first player marker. Here's the thing. Use it for whatever you want. It's just cute. It's just a cute little thing that I thought would look good in a game room or on a game table or stuff like that. So that is the outburst game table uh, that is currently that will be on Kickstarter on June 27th. And uh, I'm going to have to get some more of these. I think they're just too cool. Too cool. I know. I'd be, I'd be stacking meeples on them. Holding my meeples, yeah, meeples will look good too. Yeah. Like put them on a shelf and stuff. It's like see how it's decorative and everything. I mean, it looks yeah. nice. I know, no, but I'm saying we're sitting there playing. I'd set up my little table on top of my table and stack my little pieces on top that's of right. that. That's right. You could do that. So but I, I love really unique Kickstarters like that. So that's cool. One final thing, Marty, I do want to tease something that um, we'll be um, talking about on the show, but due to embargo rights, we are allowed to tease that. And I'm simply going to go. Da da. Da, 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 da. That's all I'm going to say, people. We're going to be talking about something that has to do with that. Da, da, <laughs> da, 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 da. I tell you, uh, you hear that sound, everybody immediately goes right there. Everybody. I don't care who you are. You know exactly where you're going. You know why thing. it's so frequency? Because it's two dissonant notes right beside each other. Whatever you said. <laughs> There you go. Just basically go up to a piano and basically hit the E and the F together. Duh, duh. And then you can play the Jaws theme. Shh, we're supposed to say it. Oops. I think we can say it. I mean, you just did the theme for it. I think we can say it. We just can't say how it. But that, uh, where, okay, I'm going to shut tease? up now. Where's the tease? Oh, my God. Where's the tease? <laughs> Maybe somebody didn't know what it was because Lord knows my sound effects are spot on tonight oh my gosh that is so funny oh you know dude i'm tired having to get back from origins like that i i'm gonna have to go get some rest or something i'm just actually beat after that con i can understand that and i mean then we got to get another recording out before i go on vacation yeah so we need to pace ourselves slow down a little bit you know what i just think i'm going to start rolling dice and uh i'm gonna keep taking some names Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to support the show, you can do so at podpledge.com and make sure to come back next episode when I will share all the games that I got to play at Origins plus our review of Undaunted Normandy. He's a pinball wizard. And that's as far as I can go, man. I wish you hadn't gone that far. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, was the Broken Token super busy at Origins. There were just people all around the booth the entire time. I believe you, man. I Well, I just was living vicariously through your eyes seeing that crowd at the Origins convention. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have a little bit of a brain fart there. Just a little bit, but that's all right. Not like you would have had at thebrokentoken.com. Well, actually, you might have had AP trying to pick which organizer you needed to enhance your collection. Which one will put one of your top five in better shape so it can come off the shelf quicker, set up easier? That's all about the Broken Token. That's what they're there for. They make this happen for you. And if you were at Origins with Marty and you didn't get a chance to drop by, be sure to go check out their website at thebrokentoken.com where they're always putting up new innovative ideas to help you have excellent game organization. That's at thebrokentoken.com. <laughs>